Good morning and welcome to Breakfast with the Beak. I am your host, Johnny Goodtimes. Joining me once again on a Thursday evening is my sidekick. I'm Dr. Heisenberg and uh, we're alive. Yeah, oh right, we survived the hurricane. Yeah, yeah. I, I, for, I forgot there was one actually. Yeah, yeah, no, I remember we sort of left on a cliffhanger. Twist ending, still alive. Yep, twist ending, that was the end. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. There was, uh, there wasn't really any reason to hit the record button again. Yeah, um, yeah I, I fell asleep and, uh, yeah. Yeah, subways are working again. I took it the other day, so, you know. Yeah, yeah, no. I mean, we survived... Well, we survived an earthquake and a hurricane in the same week. Achievement unlocked. Yep. Yeah. And, uh... I, I feel like we are we live in some kind of, like, goofy cartoon show with, like, an inept supervillain that keeps trying to kill us and failing miserably. Like, I mean, we survived Harold Camping's imaginary apocalypse a couple yeah. months ago. Survived the Chud invasion. Are you talking like a like a real supervillain, like a Lex Luthor who just gets foiled and does does no harm, or are you talking like a funny supervillain who fucks up and therefore doesn't do any harm? Hey, one that fucks up, like Boris Badenov. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, Boris Badenov was a competent spy. Bullwinkle foiled him through sheer stupidity. <laughs> I mean, you gotta be pretty. I I don't know about competent spy. You gotta be pretty pathetic to constantly get foiled by Bullwinkle. Well, Bullwinkle wasn't really trying. Rocky was trying. Rocky was a formidable adversary for, you know, the, the, the Potsylvanian uh, secret police or whatever the fuck Warren worked for. But, uh, well, okay. This is stupid. Let's roll a topic. Okay. Let's roll a topic. And before we do, I'm going to say, uh, I did mention we're recording on a Thursday. That's because, uh, well, you can... Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Uh, I will be uh, going out of town uh, for Labor Day weekend, go see some family, so... And we are so dedicated... To, to making your weekend better, making your Labor Day better, yeah. that we are recording this in advance for your perusal on Sunday. Absolutely right. Yeah. I mean, all, for all of those of you that we have gotten hooked on the show... I'm sure there are many. Yeah, we're, we're going to continue to feed your addiction, mm-hmm. your, your regular Sunday morning stuff, so... Yeah, we're not going to let you go eight days or 14 days or whatever, you know? No, no, you gotta, you need yeah. your fix. I mean, because, you know, you get out of practice one Sunday, you're like, I can't trust these guys anymore, but you can trust us for now. Yeah, oh, hell, I mean, who'd have thought this is what we would treat professionally? Yeah, well, whatever. Yeah, let's, let's, you know. Let's uh, roll that topic that I was talking about. Let's do it. Fewer dice this week. We just, uh, Fewer dice, but more sides. Okay. More efficient. All right. Breakfast with the Beak of the Future. All right, that is a, well, that's a 15. It always comes out in the middle. Well, what's in the middle of the list this week? Why George Takei is fucking awesome. Submitted by Trevor in Salton, Washington. And he certainly is. Thank yes. you, Trevor. Thank you, Trevor. Your topics are always fucking winners. We're glad you sent, like, a million of them. Trevor's actually so excited about this topic, he sent it in twice. He did. He sent it twice. He sent it in April, and then he sent it again in August. I feel like we're treading on dangerous ground here. Why is that? Because I don't want to encourage people to send, like, their favorite topic more than once. <laughs> just it, just to convince us, oh, they'll do it yeah. if I keep sending it. Don't do that. If you're the only one who sends it, it's only on the list once. Yeah, the next yeah. person the next person who does that gets a six-month penalty on that topic. All right, we've got a show for six months from now, maybe, if somebody does that. Somebody do that. We're going to need stuff in six no months. No one's done that yet, well, but... Yeah. Whatever, we got but topics for a long time. On the other hand, if, if you guys out there can convince your friends or other acquaintances to also submit your topic... We will go by mob rule. If we get the same topic suggested by, like, five people... That's on the list five times. Yeah, we will totally do that topic faster. 
So, and that's uh, that's your encouragement to get your friends to participate and send to topics at thebeak.org. Well, back to this day's two-time topic. George Decay. Why George Decay is fucking awesome. And he totally is. He's, it's for so many reasons. Yeah. Well, let's, let's start out with why we know who George Decay is in the first place. Why do we know that, Dr. Heisenberg? Because he was Mr. Sulu on Star Trek. He was Mr. Sulu on Star Trek. The original Star Trek. Original 1966, was it? Yeah. It was... Classic Star Trek. Three years in the 60s. Yeah. Yeah. He he piloted the Starship Enterprise. He fought with a sword. He did, sometimes shirtless, at least in that one. Once, yeah. Yeah. And not a not a lightsaber, not a space sword, a fucking sword. Mm-hmm. He had a phaser on his belt. Fuck that sword. Yeah. No, we are bringing a little honor, a little chivalry to yeah. space. I don't even want to make the samurai joke because it wasn't just because of that. You know, it was. Yeah. Yeah. We are. We are. It wasn't even that kind of sword. It was. No. No. It was like a swashbuckler sword, wasn't it? Yeah. It was, it was like, like a, a pirate sword. It was like a rapier. It was a, something for fencing. He was. He was a fencer. Yeah. They even reference that in the new Star Trek movie. You know, they, they say, anyone with combat training, get out there. And Sulu gets out there and like, oh, God, I just took fencing lessons. Yeah. I actually knew Sulu in the new Star Trek movie. He has sort of a space sword. Again, it's not a lightsaber, but it's like a collapsible sword. That is true. That he it pops out and it, like, does a little transformer thing and becomes a sword. And I have always wanted one of those, even before that movie existed or had been conceptualized. And back in the day when the thought of doing Star Trek with the new cast was was still blasphemy, I was like, man, I'd love a sword like that, you know? It is a really cool sword. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would like one of those now. Beside the point, because that's not even George Takei. That's, uh, that's, um, that's John Cho. <laughs> Right, I was going to say Harold, but... Harold, yes, yeah. but, but no, George Takei. <laughs> um, yeah, but, so he was in he was in Star Trek. He did Star Trek stuff, and then he yeah. was in the movies. Yeah. And they wouldn't hear about him for a while. Yeah. Um, uh, he did The Simpsons a number of times. Well, he but, continued to act in a lot of places. Yes. He did voiceovers, and he, you know, bit parts in various mm-hmm. things, you know. I don't think he ever had as big a recurring role as I he did I don't believe on, on so, Trek. no, I do yeah. not believe so. But, um... A few years ago, he had a major resurgence in his career. Yeah, he is he is now uh, a major political gay activist. Yes, he, he came out a few years ago. And, and, and uh, he had always been kind of known as... Yeah. People knew he was gay if people yeah. bothered to look into it. It was sort of the old Hollywood model where your friends know, and if you ask, yeah, he'll tell you. But if you ask around at a convention, it's like, oh, yeah, George, sure. Yeah. But in, in like, 07... It was like, yep, said directly in an interview on like a major show or something. Yeah, like I think it was before that, but yeah, I see what you're getting at. When, whenever yeah. it was, not that long ago. The point is that that like just was a huge. I mean, and I don't want to be like, oh, coming out as gay, big boost for his career, but fucking was. Oh. And, and I don't even mean that like he did it as an opportunistic thing. I think people just responded really well to it. Well, yeah, I mean, he uh, he does really cool things with it. it. I feel like it sort of gave him direction. That's I mean, true. I mean, now, now you know, being a gay rights activist definitely gives you yeah. a thing to do and a reason to show up and say stuff. And being a, a gay rights activist with a recognizable face, a very distinctive voice. Yeah. And, frankly, excellent comic timing. Oh, yeah. And he's just a great actor. He, he, indeed. I mean, he's... Uh, Oh, that voice! <laughs> oh yeah! Oh my God, that voice! <laughs> like I don't even—I'd be like everyone does the George Decay impression. I don't actually feel right doing it now that I'm on the spot like this. 
Because I just feel like I won't do it justice. I do it okay. I just, I, I yeah, yeah. I, I mean, we could spend the whole rest of the podcast just yeah. oh my, oh my, oh my. But that's not right. You yeah, know, that's not even correct. I think. Well, yeah, but it's you know, it's I, I don't have a George Decay voice, but you know, it's doing. Yeah, there is only one George Decay voice. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, let's see. He was. Oh, I found this out today when yeah. I was doing a little research. Uh, he and his uh, husband were the uh, first gay couple to apply for a marriage license in West Hollywood. Aww. During that brief window when it was legal to to uh, gay marriage was legal in California. Yeah, that's yeah. I mean, that's like I don't want to be like, oh, that's adorable. It's kind of adorable. And I mean, yeah, they probably let him cut in line because it's George Takei. You know, Chekhov was the best man. Okay, now it's adorable. Walter Keating <laughs> and 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 I'm not making this up. Nichelle Nichols was the matron of honor. Now it's so adorable. It's oh awesome. It's a Star Trek wedding. That's and the ultimate Star Trek wedding. Which also, of course, led to a feud. Because William Shatner was not there. And William Shatner said, I didn't get invited to the wedding. And then George Takei said, I invited him. He didn't RSVP. And apparently this went back and forth for years. <laughs> so, you didn't RSVP! I never got the invitation! Uh, really, it might just be a flood with the Postal Service. Yeah, this could be an indictment of perhaps the Postal Service in California. Yeah. And an indictment of the whole Proposition 8 thing. But, 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 you know, the Postal Service is really what happened here. Well, the other invitations made it out, I assume. Or, you know, maybe you follow up with a phone call. I don't know the yeah. details. Well, I mean, Shatner's been busy too recently, just because... You know, suddenly it's been, it's kind of, you know, fun and kooky and ironic to cast him in stuff, so... Well, Kooky Shatner's been around for a, a while. Well, yeah, but I think in the last few years people have gained a real appreciation of that. Well, he's been doing, yeah, I mean, he's been doing commercials for a long time. Yeah. Shatner also does things like records albums. Yeah. Where he doesn't exactly sing. He does that spoken word Rocket Man thing. Yeah. He's still doing that, and a few years ago he did that one where he, like, he did the song with Henry Rollins and stuff. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Which was awesome. Which is a cover of something, and he made it cooler. But, yeah, a lot of the Star Trek cast have been sort of having, and I don't know if it's fueled by nostalgia or just, you know, fueled by the, the increased visibility of, of George Takei and William Shatner in particular. Yeah. But... Or just the, the resurgence or surgence uh, of a lot of geek culture becoming much more mainstream in the last few years. That's a possibility. That suddenly, you know, the world just can't get enough of, hey, what are the Star Trek guys up to? Yeah, yeah, and it's, it's I mean, I don't want to say it's easy, but it's always fun to have a classic Trek cameo. Hey, Leonard Nimoy showed up for ten seconds at the end. That's neat. Yeah, I mean, you know. and, and Leonard Nimoy, there's actually more baggage besides Star Trek, you know, because it's like... Okay, he was Spock, but he also sang the Ballad of Bilbo Baggins and went in search of Bigfoot. Uh, he does a lot of photography and, you know, painting and stuff. He does. He actually, uh... He's actually yeah, released, had like, several, like, yeah. exhibitions and books of photography that he's done. And, yeah. And Ballad of Bilbo Baggins. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just saying. It's, it's a fun song. <laughs> it is. It yeah. really is. And it came out... Long before the movies. Yeah, it shouldn't be that fun, but it so is. It's a really fun song. Download (laughs) it. Like, I really hope when the Hobbit movie comes out, (laughs) the end credits are like Enya doing that song. (laughs) (laughs) Worth the ticket price just to hear that. Yeah. I mean, there's... That's a can't-miss proposition right there. (laughs) 
That is a fucking winner. Or if we can't get Enya, can we get, like, Nightwish to do it? Oh, my God. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. Just that... Hey, how, how's the movie going to end? In the most epic-as-fuck fashion possible. <laughs> just get, like, really just the raging guitars, and then the woman comes up, in the middle of the earth. I can't wow, do the voice. Wow, that was a crack there, man. I, you, can't, I can't hit any of those you notes. You strained yourself so hard, you, went, you, like, reverted to puberty for a second. That was not even how I sounded in puberty. That no, was You the, strained your entire body doing that. That was the sound of, I don't know, just like a flute being smashed against the ground or something. Yeah, that was. That was the sound of a flute full of gravel. Yeah. 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 So I, I can't do the Nightwish voice. But yeah, but that's if, okay. If yeah, if you guys ever need a gravelly flute, you know, <laughs> don't don't shell out the money for it. Don't shell out the money for it. We've got a guy. <laughs> hey, I am uh, for hire. The point is that in recent years, George Takei has done a number of videos, uh, some as like comedy sketches. I believe he did at least one for like the Jimmy Kimmel Show or something. Yeah, if uh, if we remember on Sunday, we might put a couple. Just stick a couple YouTube links into the post. Yeah, because they're funny. And, yeah, and but, and when you hear us talking about this, you'll you'll want to see them if you haven't. Yes, I mean, for example, you know, when a public figure you know makes a homophobic remark, or when you know uh, the government, a state legislature, Congress, whatever, has a really stupid anti-gay bill in the works. Yeah, he will frequently do a video. Yeah, yeah, there was uh, he, uh, he comments on that. There, there was a uh, a member of a school board in. Arkansas, I think. Uh, Tennessee, maybe. Tennessee. Some state with a lot of rednecks Some in it. Some fucking bad water. <laughs> Who gives a shit? <laughs> Some state where if you like this show and you live there, you're probably ashamed of your neighbors. Yeah. But uh, this, this guy went on a rant about, you know, like, uh, an anti-gay rant about, like, how gay teenagers should commit suicide, and he thought it was cool that they gave each other AIDS and all this stuff. And George Takei went on YouTube and just slammed him the fuck down and did this this beautiful speech where he kept calling the guy a douchebag and, you know, he, he said, I suspect we will see you in the news again. Caught with the rent boy from South America. Like, yeah, called him out in this beautiful, like, three-minute speech. Yeah, and, and really that's why George Takei is awesome. Because his voice makes the word douchebag sound so beautiful, so melodic. <laughs> yeah, and it... Douchebag! I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't make it as beautiful as he does. Yeah, watch the vid. But like, yeah, when you somehow I imagine the vid is that how the kids? I'll let I'll let that one slide. (laughs) Yeah, in England in the seventies. Is that true? I don't care. I don't think they had videos yet, so maybe yeah. England in 1985, does it matter? Yeah, the British are bad at abbreviating stuff. Good future topic if you're writing in. So, anyway, go on. I, I like to think if you're called a douchebag by George Takei in that really stern voice, it must hurt ten times as much as if, like, I called you a douchebag. Yeah, because yeah. I, I hear you call someone a douchebag, it's like, yep. That's what that voice was made for. Yep, this is a guy who probably calls a lot of people douchebags. I say douchebag a lot. Yeah, yeah. but when George Takei says it, that's like hearing God say it. Kind of, yeah. Like, that's like in the Book of Mormon where it's like, I can't believe Jesus called me a dick. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, it's just something you would not expect to hear in that voice, that glorious voice. It's like just raining scorn down on you in such a... a 
a juvenile sort of fashion, it, it just hurts so much more. If Mother Teresa on her deathbed had just called somebody over and said, I always thought you were a douchebag, it would hit so much harder. <laughs> right? And more so than if she had said, I always hated you, or hell awaits you, or something like that. Like, that would be bad, but if she said, I always thought you were a douchebag, A, Mother Teresa has just said douchebag. Awesome. Awesome in and of itself. She said it to me. (laughs) That would sting. And apparently she's been thinking this all along. Like, wow. I've known you for 15 years, Mother Teresa, and you thought I was a douchebag. God damn it, Christopher Hitchens was right. I'm gonna go kill myself twice. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you wrote that book. Anyway. Yeah, okay. Mother Teresa, some really cool stuff came out about Mother Teresa, like, yeah. after she died. Like, uh, she didn't really believe in God because she had seen so much human suffering. Yeah. Yeah, she, like, she had lost her own faith by, by like, doing all the charity work. It's like, not so much she got into the wrong line of work, she got into the wrong parallel lines of work. Kind of. like, one or the other probably would have been, you know, she's suitable, but together there was a clash. Yeah, and she it didn't keep her from doing good things, but... Yeah. This has become a downer. Let's talk about George Decay. Deep in the back room. Okay, so, I can't remember his name now. I, I had it on the tip of my tongue half an hour ago. But there was this basketball player a yeah, few years ago. Indeed there was, to go back to another of uh, Mr. Decay's uh, responses. Awesome speeches. Um, and, uh... So, some stupid basketball player was trying to be tough, and he was, you know, saying a bunch of anti-gay hate speech. Like, I don't, I don't want, you like, know, I don't want gay guys looking at me in the locker room or something. Like, like I'm a homophobe, very, 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 you know, <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> I think he actually said that. Yeah, like, weirdly enough, as in, like, yeah, I'm actually afraid of getting my junk looked at by a dude who might enjoy it. So George Takei goes on TV. And it was actually on ABC. I can't remember. It was Jimmy Kimmel or Conan I, or something. I think, it was, I think it was Jimmy Kimmel. Probably Kimmel. Yeah, because Conan wasn't on ABC. True enough. But, so, George Decay, he starts out stern, and he's like, I was shocked to hear these these sad, you know, these... These, these hurtful statements these, from... Hurt- something very professional sounding. Yeah, exactly. And he's like, even though you don't like us, we like you. We love your strong calves. We love your chocolatey bald head. Yeah, no, and he just mercilessly hits on the guy. That's the only oh, way yeah. I can phrase it. It's he really <laughs> does. He just flat out sexually harasses the guy in a really funny way. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> just, just like decides, I'm going to make this man as uncomfortable as possible. In and front I'm, of everybody. And I'm going to flat out tell him that someday, when you least expect it... I will have sex with you. (laughs) And the crowd went wild. They were with him. It was awesome. (laughs) So, yeah. That's why George Takei is awesome, because ultimately a lot of the Star Trek cast, I think, what I really, what, what I think is awesome about all of them right now is that they can understand that, you know, okay, this was a... In big picture, kind of important show they had done, you know? Oh. Just in that it has this sort of lasting legacy. People still go to the conventions. They did four other shows. Right. A bunch of movies. But also that, you know, it was a, a show that very openly sort of advocated for social change in the 60s. Oh, sure, yeah. And they can, they can take that into account, but also not take it too seriously, not take themselves too seriously like a lot of people do as they, as they sort of look back on their careers. 
And I think that actually extends to a lot, a lot of people in the activist community as well. Not just gay rights activists, but all sorts of activists. Yeah. You know, whenever, you know, not whenever, but a lot of times when there's a statement to be made you know, about hateful things or about unfair circumstances yes. in, in all sorts of ways. Generally, when a celebrity comes out and makes a statement, they're very serious. Um, you know, they say they say the right things. They publicly castrate the offender and whatnot. But at the same time, I, I would almost say that by making such a serious, professional sort of sounding, like, uh, sort of almost like a focus group speech, it doesn't really matter who's giving it at that point beyond the fact that people might pay slightly more attention if it's a celebrity. Right. Whereas There's George, that's theirs about it. Right. Whereas as George Takei, he he injects really good, really well done humor, yeah. really <clears throat> well executed jokes. Well executed jokes that that I mean they could be done by someone else, but they're obviously very much tailored to his strength. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There there was a, and this is the last time I'll mention YouTube, maybe. Okay. There, there, there was a, a thing going on in. This might have been the one in Arkansas, or Texas, who cares? Or, yeah, Tennessee, or wherever. Um. Yeah. Um, there was, like, a, a school board that was trying to pass uh, rules that you couldn't say the word gay, like you, in, you, like a teacher couldn't. Like, like you couldn't discuss... Well, I, I, I think they were trying to frame it as some kind of, like, anti-bullying thing, but ultimately it was teachers are forbidden from talking about homosexuality in, like, any context. Yeah, exactly. It, it like, pretend called, it doesn't exist kind of It thing. came to be called the don't say gay bill because that's effectively what they were asking him to do. And so he he, he, he did this other thing where he said, if if you're not allowed to say gay, you can just substitute to K. Say, it's okay to be to K. If you're feeling festive, march in a to K rights parade. And, you know, all that stuff. And there was a song and there were buttons and t-shirts, you know. Just yeah, yeah. It was cool. It was a cool response. Not just you're being unfair and you suck. Yeah. Here's a hilarious way to get around it. I mean, it's a response. It's it's sort of. I mean, I don't want to say oh this couldn't have happened unless, but yeah, th- this is very much in the vein of of some of the more activist stuff that Stephen Colbert has done, for example. Oh yeah, definitely. You know where he's got his right now. He's got his super pack, which is basically just there to sort of. Test the limits of campaign finance laws. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> it's just there to. It's basically him getting away with as much as he can, just to prove how much real candidates are getting away with. Yeah, which is brilliant. Yeah. And uh, well, yeah, but you're right. Well, Takei, that's awesome, though. Takei and Colbert are kind of operating in a similar vein. Yeah. For whatever topic they want to talk about at the time. Exactly. Yeah. George Takei, William Shatner, Leonard Nimoy, uh, Michelle Nichols, those are the four that are have really been doing this recently. I mean, but, Walter Keating doesn't actually do much. Yeah, I mean... The, uh, his, his son died recently, so yeah. fair enough. But yeah, the point is that the, the surviving uh, Star Trek actors, like, they recognize what they've done, but they don't elevate it more than it has to. They have to, you know? They don't, they don't scold people for not taking it seriously enough. They don't get mad if you point out that the rocks are paper mache and that lizard guy looks terrible. Right. And, uh, I mean, it's, it's in appropriate fashion. You're getting similar stuff from, you know, Patrick Stewart, Will Wheaton, yeah. Brent Spiner a bit. Will Wheaton you know. has been especially brilliant about that, writing a book about the first season of Next Generation before it got good. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, Will Wheaton has come into his own in a lot of ways outside of Star Trek. He yeah. Is, he is now a geek culture paradigm, sort of. This is true. So, and in a way, and, you know, obviously, Patrick Stewart is kind of the king of 
yeah. of Star Trek people becoming successful actors. Patrick Stewart... Or can, being successful actors elsewhere. Yeah, and, and Patrick Stewart can basically do whatever he wants now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and I mean, he's like, got a lot of range. He, he's like, he does the voice on the fucking Seth MacFarlane show on American Dad, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, and the whole point is, the whole point of the character is just, it's fun to see Patrick Stewart being prissy. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> and it is very fun to see Patrick Stewart being prissy. It is, it's a great character. It, I know. mean, like, he, if he does that at home, great. If he does that in another movie or another show, I'm fine with that, you know? Yeah, yeah. He doesn't, I don't think he acts quite as much like the guy from American Dad. Yeah. But he also doesn't act as stolid as Captain Picard. Yeah, he's, he's just, not, he's not Captain Picard, he's not Professor Xavier. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's, uh, he's Patrick. He's but, probably no. just a regular man at home, but that's not hilarious. No, no, but... I mean, don't get me wrong, this, the, like a picture or a short video of Patrick Stewart just kind of making some scrambled eggs, that's a little bit funny, but... Oh, sure. Yeah. You know. buses, a lot of buses going by tonight. Yeah, well, it's... Yeah. No blog parties, though. But, yeah, uh, the Star Trek cast in general... All the Star Trek casts, I think. Possible exception of Scott Bakula, I feel like he might be a dick about it, but... <laughs> well, see, I feel like Bakula's time in Star Trek is irrelevant because he was Quantum Leap first. Right, yeah, wait. Scott Bakula isn't a dick about Quantum Leap. He'd be fine with Star Trek. Okay. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, I feel like Bakula was already over his... Yeah. Sci-fi cult classic days. Yeah, before he even started doing Star Trek. That's a good point. So, <laughs> Bakula is a special case. Yeah, I mean, you see, like uh, Kate Mulgrew is doing uh, uh, NTSFS, blah blah SUV, UV, w, yeah. yeah, yeah, that ten-minute show. He's on doing the Paul Shear show. Yeah, exactly. The, like the other Paul Shear show because he's got like eight shows, and I watched that one. Yeah, <laughs> she's a spy with an eye patch, and it's she's still hot. Yeah, well, okay, but. Uh, <laughs> I yeah. loves I loves me some Janeway. No, that's true. I I would like Captain Janeway do a number of things, but uh, oh yeah, yeah. Um, not the point. Um, it's a little bit. The, it's not the point. Well, no, I, I'm actually now that I think about it, like I, I'm really not comfortable discussing just how far I, I'm willing to. Let's let's talk about George Takei. Okay. Talk about George Decay, and that ultimately is I the should, essence yeah. of George Decay. We're never gonna have. Yeah. I feel like we're never gonna have a Charlie Sheen situation. With a former Star Trek cast member. It's very unlikely. Because Charlie Sheen takes his work, like his two and a half men work, very seriously. Like, that was part of the breakdown. <laughs> was that, you know, he really felt he was doing great, important work on that program. To the point when he wrote a hypothetical essay <laughs> about confronting Obama about 9-11 cover-ups that he believes in. <laughs> Obama had, like, in his hypothetical scenario, Obama complimented his wonderful work on Two and a Half Men. (laughs) (coughs) I'm not making that up. He wrote that. You can look for that. It's a little baffling that anybody other than, say, the bank is capable of taking Two and a Half Men seriously. Yeah, I mean, even the producer of the show did not hesitate to fire Charlie Sheen. Yeah. (laughs) I'm sure the guy at Charlie Sheen's bank... Who is regularly cashing those two million dollar per episode checks? Yeah, it's like or you know. and the guy at the bank who calls Charlie Sheen to say there have been some suspicious withdrawals. We notice you wrote several checks to uh, a porn Colum- stars, a Colombian drug cartel. <laughs> <laughs> you appear to have a porn star on retainer, sir. And in the in the memo on the check, you just wrote weekend. <laughs> <laughs> 
See, I've been I've been trying to figure Charlie Sheen out. Okay, which is dumb. Yeah, it's pointless. I mean, but, at this point, let's put it this way. They're doing a Comedy Central roast of him. The moment has passed. At this point, well, actually, no. At this point, all that's left is to dissect it. Go, well, go Exactly, ahead, go exactly. Ahead. In retrospect, and Comedy Central roasts are just poorly executed because they're always done way too late. Too late and with people who are too easy. Yeah. It's like, oh, my God, what are they going to find to joke about Charlie Sheen? What... You know, what sort of insider, you know, showbiz stories are they going to have? No, they're going to all say fucking tiger blood and winning, and that's going to be the end. Yeah, exactly. Months after those jokes have passed. Yeah, they were doing those jokes during the last roast. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. So. Exactly. But anyway. Okay, so, I, I have a theory. All right. Because the whole just doing too many drugs and going crazy thing, no. I find that very unsatisfying. Yeah. That's a lame explanation. Okay, but let's say... Let's say you creatively created a character, okay? Well, you know, let's say Dr. Soxenberg, for example, okay? You, okay! No no, 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 no stupid voices. No stupid voices. That's not the point here. Like, but let's say, okay... Yeah, we don't do those on this show. Yeah, but... <laughs> but, okay, you created the Dr. Soxenberg character. All right. All right. Now, let's say... Now, it's, it's a bit of a stretch because it's a puppet, it's not you, but whatever. Let's pretend you're dressing up as... You know, in a life-size sock, whatever. Or just or just doing that voice and that behavior. And carrying the sock around, like the Mel Gibson movie with the beaver. Sure. Yeah. Let's say, let's say after you wrote that, instead of thinking it was a dumb joke we could get away with for a minute or two, let's say you thought it was the greatest character you, could, you would ever come up with, and you decided you'd do that all the time, to the pe- point where people thought you were that character. All right. I think that might be what Charlie Sheen is doing. Maybe he just woke up one day, and or maybe it took a while, and he was writing a character, a quasi version of himself that was more drugged up and energetic and addled and said fucked up things and threw his career to the wind, because why not? Maybe he created a character that he decided he wanted to play, and he did it around the house one day, and he liked it so much, he's like, I'm going to do this all the time. I'm going to make people think, this is actually how I'm thinking. I'm just going to do this. And, you know, maybe it's all actually intentional. Well, somehow. And that would be really revolutionary, except Larry the Cable Guy already did it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> that exactly. dude's name isn't even Larry. Yeah, no, no. He it's cre- like Dan or something. No, that's exactly it. He was a comedian that wasn't doing too well with typical redneck humor. He created a character called Larry the Cable Guy, and now that's who he is. Yeah. Yeah. In, in the eyes of the world, anyway. Yeah. So, yeah, maybe it's that kind of a situation. Or he's bipolar. <laughs> or he's a crazy junkie. Who gives a yeah, shit? Charlie Sheen's boring. Yeah, I've, we've spent too much time on this. Your theory was the best part of that. Your theory was actually took up the whole period. But, uh, yeah, well, that's, that's, why, that's why it's acceptable. Anyway... George Takei isn't going to do that. No, no, no. Getting getting back to your original point. And that's why he's awesome. Via a long route. Yeah. Is that, yeah, no. He's going to... I think George Takei is going to stably stay. He has a husband to, like, you know, yeah. keep him grounded. Yeah. You know, he's not going to be there with a bunch of, you know, prostitutes and whatnot. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and frankly, you know, George Takei is... He, well, I mean, Charlie Sheen's not a young man anymore, but George Takei more so, and so it's like... I think if anyone from Star Trek would have done that, it would have been Shatner, and yeah. he did a little bit, and he went as far as he would go, and now he's fun again. Yeah. Yeah. 
I mean, don't get me wrong, that would be kind of funny for Shatner to do, but that's the thing. If Shatner did it, it would be funny. Yeah. <laughs> it wouldn't be depressing. Well, yeah, that's true. And and Shatner's already done funny. Star Trek V was basically a parody of Star Trek. I mean, do you mean the, four or do you mean five? <laughs> I mean five. Oh, okay. When he's climbing the mountain and Spock comes up behind him with the rocket boots. Yeah. And it's just, it's very silly. It's a fun movie. I like it. But, you know, that's... You're the one, okay? <laughs> yeah, no. Well, you know, yeah. It's 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 a it's like a goofy buddy comedy with uh, okay. That's that's fair. Kirk Spock and McCoy, you know. That's fair. So Star Trek Four was a different thing. It was and the, they drive the Enterprise under a big rig, and the top part gets ripped off, and McCoy's like, "I'm getting too old for this shit." <laughs> almost, yeah. They almost. I wouldn't be surprised to see that in the deleted scenes. Yeah. So anyway, there is the whole scene where the the, Enter- the Enterprise is like broken, is like busted apart, and like nothing works, and he's like in a dirty T-shirt with like three days of stubble, and he's like banging on the view screen to get the message through. They yeah. do shit like that. That's true. Yeah. Well, pair him off with a big funny dog or a kangaroo or something, and you got a movie. <laughs> That's what Spock is for. I wouldn't say he's a funny dog. He's funny. Well, he's funny. Spock is funny. He's a different kind of funny. I wouldn't say he's a funny dog. There. There. Just change the emphasis. Changes the whole meaning. Yeah, no. Yeah, because he's not a a dog at all. He's not Brian Griffin. No. No. There you go. Lesson learned. Um, So, anyway. Anyway. (laughs) That's why George Takei is awesome. That's why Star Trek in general has endured. Yeah. That's why Two and a Half Men won't, among other reasons. Yeah. All right. All All right. right. Uh, have a good breakfast. Have a good, good fucking breakfast in space. Mm-hmm.